You're listening to the Hunter Conservationist Podcast. So, um, Nikita, you've been out uh, bear hunting Only this spring? a couple times. A couple times, taking the kids out? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, they like it. Oh, they love it. it. Phoenix especially. Yeah. Yeah. They um are they glassing, helping you glass? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered about that. That's kind of like having the two rods in the boat, you know, like when you get, take your <laughs> kids, <laughs> eyes, kids out and you, you teach them how to spot and stuff. Yeah. So that's cool. And you had the girls out doing a bit of turkey yeah. hunting in the spring, turkey calling, Tur- more turkey scaring. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. They were they were super into it though. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Just when see you their get... face when uh, the first turkey called back, gobbled back to their calls. Yeah, which you know, it's hard to hard to describe to them what it's going to feel like or what it's going to be like to them. But when it happened, they were their eyes were shot out of their heads. It was great. They're envisioning one of those prehistoric um, kind of I don't know uh, ostrich type birds with the big beaks. You know, yeah. they could you know, I think just trying to get them interested in it. They didn't have a clue what we were, what I was talking about oh. <laughs> and getting him out there. And I gave him a little box call and they had a, a, a gobbler. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a rattle or something like that. Yeah, the shaker. 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 Gobbler. Yep. Yeah. shaker. And yeah, just said here, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> and they, uh, they eventually were able to get a response out of, out of, uh, off in the distance. It was great. When I was taking the kids out when, when they were little, school. Carly, uh, my daughter, she would get the box call and then like crank off Christmas tunes on it, you know, didn't work. So that's no. not, that's not a tip. No. So what's, um, Nikita, what's, what's your earliest memory of, of hunting? hunting or just outdoors or, or something like what's your uh, earliest? Probably fishing. Um, we, we, did a lot of fishing. Uh, my grandparents did a lot of, my dad did a lot of fishing. So I grew up in a boat basically. Um, my parents didn't hunt. So my earliest memory for hunting would be with my grandmother. Um, she took me and my mom and my cousin, um, Katie out and she shot a little four point basket buck and I, helped her with it and my mom and Katie were crying in the truck so <laughs> that's probably my earliest hunting memory <laughs> wow that's cool with your grandmother Jeff yeah, yeah that's that's What's... not what I expected <laughs> <laughs> but cool yeah. that was your first time out or uh, first memory first memory right. yeah cool. how old were you do you think uh I was probably six okay uh, Jeff cool. what yeah. about you what's your earliest memory I don't know um, yeah, you know, if I think back, there's a handful of trips we made that were cool, like snow driving in crazy conditions, uh, tracking, tracking animals back then you were allowed to take does on limited entry. If you remember those days, mule deer back in the days, yep. late in December. So it was pretty, pretty crazy, you know, following along, trying not to complain about being cold or anything like that but it kind of I don't have one specific memory probably just mm-hmm. I don't know just sort of a mixture of experiences like that just following behind my dad in the snow a lot that blurs together yeah how old yeah. were you uh probably in that eight nine ten country country yeah yeah well after because when I was 10 then I could you know carry a rifle 
and actually hunt. But before that, it was just following along, right? In your big snow boots. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to stay warm. Aaron, what was your first memory? So it, it's interesting because Nikita talked about fishing with her dad. Yeah. And uh, that's that's actually what I did. Was I was fishing with my dad quite a bit. And he'd take the old red canoe and uh, we would go out and either my dad and I or my dad and a friend and I would go out fishing and that was sort of my first the memories of being with my dad in the outdoors my mom wasn't an outdoors person at all and so that really I didn't recall that until Nikita you just mentioned that (laughs) but as as for the hunting part my dad never took me hunting not for lack not, not, not for lack of interest like were you interested? No, it was it was the era I think where the girls didn't go hunting and sure. the and the boys sure did and 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 then the girls didn't. Well, I don't know. I didn't really show much interest in it either. I'm sure if I had, he would have taken me. But hmm. but at the same time, there was no encouragement to to go. So, but the fishing was always fun, and uh, I loved to yeah, I loved to go fishing with them. What what do you th- the earliest memories? How old do you think you were? I was probably, you know, eight, nine, somewhere in there as well. And I think it was probably because he had to uh, look after us and (laughs) he wanted to go fishing. So so I just packed the kids up. But that was one of the things. My dad had a trap line as well. And that was another thing. He would just pile all the kids, the neighborhood kids and everybody into his old blue station wagon. And off we would go up Lumberton to his trap line. And so that was a big kids event when we were young. And that was probably six seven I remember the snow being so deep that that I would pretty much sink right up if uh if I weren't tagging along with my dad snow was so deep it was like it was about four inches yeah, maybe Lumberton yeah it was but, at that time yeah <laughs> and Curtis, we'd go to all oh. the trap we'd go to all the, the cabins and there'd be all the hippies in the cabin and my dad would just <laughs> you know we'd Hi, can we visit come in? with them and can we come into our cabin yeah Curtis what's your first memory I think it's probably that first whitetail buck that you and I got together down Newgate. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the one that was yeah. in that, uh, on, just on the edge of that gravel that pit, old that, gravel that little pit spike. That little spike, yeah. 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 yeah, I remember that. And I had the uh, the, the camel one-piece. Coveralls. <laughs> yeah, camel coveralls. And then underneath that, I remember the uh, the red Toronto Raptors sweater. Yeah. Back Back with the old Toronto Raptors logo. We have a picture, uh, so we had a bulletin board in our basement, and we just have all the outdoor pictures of the kids, you know, like with the grouse and fish and bigger animals as they got older, and yeah, that picture's on, on there, and and if you want, if you look at all the pictures over the years, and you want to see a kid holding a little deer with a smile that is like the, like the best, you know, grip and grin that's on the whole entire board, like that, that was it, and you were... You were young. You weren't hunting yet. No, you that were... was that was a couple years because that was the first one we got, and then the second one was that that four point up, the Kootenai. The Kootenai River. Yeah, and then I think the year after that is when okay. I got my. So I was I was probably eight or nine. Eight or nine. Seven, something like that, when that first happened. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. My first memory of. You know, without going back through the family photo album and going, oh, I remember that, like without 
just trying to remember that right now. I remember when I lived in Golden, um, my dad had a trap line down the Bush River, and there was a cabin down there. I can't remember if it was part of the trap line or if it was a, a forest service campground that the or cabin that you could um, like sign out because my dad worked for the Forest Service, and I remember being down there in the winter time, um, ice fishing, and then we were going to go ice fishing, and my dad chopping a hole through the lake with an axe. That yeah. was back in the days when you used an axe and it was like took half a day to get yeah. a hole. And of course, like it started out this wide and then it tapered down to this little hole. But I, I think I was sixish around, around there, maybe six, seven. So yeah, that's interesting. It's a lot of pressure now because I have a seven and a four year old. So they're getting to that age and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> trying to craft that first memory for them. Maybe I'm putting too much pressure on myself, but like, that's when, you know, I want to, I want to be able to start increasing the amount of stuff that we're doing out there in the bush and, and hopefully, you know, in 20 years, they'll have something like that to say too. To remember the yeah. same thing when they're on the podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with my grandkids. Well. So, uh, intros, we'll, we'll jump into some introductions. So, uh, with us tonight, we're in Cranbrook, British Columbia, and, uh, we're joined by, uh, Nikita Dalkey. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thank you. And um, Nikita, you are on the board of directors for the BC chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Yep. Yeah. And you do some writing and you have a blog. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes at the end. And you're a uh, like ambassador with PROIS. Okay. Um, I'm a court BC coordinator. So. Okay, BC coordinator. Yeah. So the the women's line of hunting clothing, yeah. specifically made for women. That's that's awesome. And and in 2014, you were one of the finalists in <laughs> the, extreme the extreme hunters competition. So yeah. yeah, maybe we'll pull that back into the conversation in a bit. We all watched it, by the way. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I did. Yeah, I thought it was cool. That's awesome. You yeah. did great. I remember Thank the, the uh, go on and vote. You can vote <laughs> as many times as you want. I remember that going around oh, social yeah. media here locally. So, yeah. And joined by Jeff Produsco. Um, Jeff, you're Cranbrook resident. Uh, you're past uh, director on the board of directors of the BC Wildlife Federation, past president of East Kootenai Wildlife Association. You're still a rep for local hunters on the hunting and fishing regulation advisory tables yep. here in region four of Southeastern BC. Um, thanks you guys. Yeah. Uh, joined by my lovely wife of 29 years in August, uh, Aaron Osland Hall. Aaron's, uh, our chief editor here at the hunter conservationist and the comptroller of my, financial expenditures <laughs> on outdoor apparatus or apparatus. Yeah. Yeah. He, he gets an allowance. I'm on a budget oh, now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a budget now. And uh, Curtis Hall. Hello. Curtis is a co-host here on the podcast and our podcast technician, post-production guy, and he makes sure everything's good. And uh, your host here, Mark Hall. Um yeah, you know, I chose uh, chose you guys, at, or didn't chose, I asked you, uh, and you accepted to be on f uh, on this podcast for, for a couple of reasons. You know, you both have hunting and fishing backgrounds. Um, you're devoted to conservation, but, you know, mostly uh, what I really see in you guys is you're really devoted to your family. Uh, you have young kids. Nikita, you have two, boy and a girl. Yeah. Ages? Uh, 11 and turning nine. Nine. Jeff, you got... 
two girls. Two girls, seven and four. Seven and four, yeah. Right, and That's I got cool. uh, uh, a son sitting here who is 23. Yeah. <laughs> and a daughter who is up north, and she's 21. There we go. Aaron holds up her finger. Yeah. I'm trying to, we're getting close to birthdays coming in August. Uh, birthday, th- three birthdays and, a, and an anniversary. So it's it's confusing for me. So a lot of numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I am not good with numbers. So you know, I think the the theme here, the the podcast we want to get into is obviously um, you know from this discussion is about you know kids and, uh, and and the outdoors and hunting and fishing with kids and I don't know what you guys think, but I see, I see articles, I see, I listen to other podcasts, I hear people speaking and stuff like other hunters, where there seems to be this concern um, among them that their kids are not going to go into hunting and fishing. Like, I don't know if this is just a guy thing, but do you guys sense that in the hunting and fishing community? And do you have that um, i i don't know it's i it's hard to say it's um depends on how the kids are getting brought up too right like my daughter she's 100 percent into it my little guy he's nah, he likes coming out but if he can stay home with oma and papa he will <laughs> so hmm. and i think it's their personalities too and what they're into that determines that but do yeah, you th- can expose them but you can't really force it's not something you can force no no to be honest like my wife and i have just decided years ago that we're not going to try and raise a fisherman or you know a hunter or anything like that we're just gonna expose them to the outdoors and see what happens see what happens i mean any kind of pressure you're gonna put on yourself is just likely gonna end up in disappointment yeah and that's pressure on both sides too right and i don't want them to feel that and you don't want up. them to hate it no. either. I mean, some of the stuff that we do as hunters and fishermen, it's, it's crazy. It's hard to even explain why you would do it. I, I can't imagine trying to craft that. It's a little I mean, four-year-old. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, you're right. I mean, when we were out for the turkeys, to, and like I said, turkey scaring, because I didn't want them to go out at the crack of dawn and, yeah, you know, and do it the way you would if you were determined to hunt turkeys. Yeah. Because that's just not going to appeal to a four-year-old. So we went out five o'clock, you know, they ate their dinner as we drove out there. They, you know, and they, yeah. they could chat and talk. I it was killing me. <laughs> but I sort of allowed them to make as much noise as they wanted. And we sat down and I mean, I just don't, I just don't think that they're going to get anything out of trying to be serious about it so no we're just trying to expose them to everything and see how it lands and i think that's a big um problem too is people get set in their ways especially with hunting and then they have to take a kid along and a lot of them don't want to adjust their hunting way right because okay you gotta go slow down they're not quiet they drag their feet they snap branches like (laughs) and you kind of just have to laugh it off and just enjoy the moment where I think a lot of people get focused on the hunting right. aspect. Right. So do you do you have some friends that kind of went pre pre kid really hardcore hunting? Family came along and then either couldn't make the adjustment or didn't. Um. Yeah. And you're going 
you're going, dude, you should be taking your kids with you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think we all know a few, yeah. a few people like that. It's just not something you can expect. No. I don't believe. I, I honestly think that you can bring them along and if you make it just, this is what you're doing. There's no choice. You're coming with me and we're going hunting for the next 15 years. And now you're 18. Are you going to pick it? Are you going to take off with it? Who knows? Yeah. I don't think you can guarantee anything. No. I mean, like you and I were talking last week, like about people who did that. I know personally friends that have taken their kids since they were little stuck them in boats and said, you know, we're going fishing like as, as often as they could. And, you know, I've, I, I rounded back to them last week and asked if, you know, if, the, if their daughter or their son are fishermen now and in their 20s and they're not. No. So, I mean, if anyone could have done it, it would have been them, but it just didn't work that way. I think it's a fine line of balancing of too much, maybe, for kids. Like, if you're getting them out every day kind of thing, and then they kind of end up resenting it a bit. Yeah. yeah it's a balancing act. you got to watch that. Yeah. Especially four in the morning. Yes. Well, that's what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. Half did the stuff that did we you do. resent getting up at four in the morning, Curtis? <laughs> there was a few times, yeah. <laughs> I still resent yeah. getting up at four in the morning sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, sleeping in the truck, driving out, you know, kind of that half in, head hitting the window <laughs> and bobbling, bobbling back and forth, trying to not, not quite, uh, quite, quite awake, but... That's the one thing I very much appreciated about Mark when, when our kids were learning how to go out is literally he'd spend hours getting everything ready, you know, and, and have the everything possibly that the kids would need and, and he'd go out and he'd be back in half an hour. <laughs> the kids are <laughs> kids are cold or yeah. the kids are hungry or whatever and and uh, our daughter took her froggy with her every time we got all the hunting pictures <laughs> of, of her with her pink toque and her froggy that went everywhere so it was just sort of that no this is part of the fun of of going out there and it's really about about the kids and and that's what I really appreciated about Mark is that he didn't he wasn't the type of person that was like no I'm going hunting and yeah and it was about 10 years before you really kind of got back into hunting for yourself and doing those kinds of things like it was a it was it, a long it time. took it took a while when the kids first came along i think uh, there was a couple years few years when they were babies where i pretty much was no longer hunting it was just like you're here you're a parent you got to do the home stuff and you know maybe get out a few days at the at the end of deer season um, I also kind of had uh, an experience like that both the kids um, didn't come along as the perfect births. Uh, they both ended up emergency in the operating room, um, you know, with emergency cesarean section with Carly, our daughter. It was very difficult. It was almost to the point where uh, I was, it was so urgent. They wouldn't let me in the operating room. And I literally did the dad thing where I sat out there for two hours, not knowing if, if, uh, my wife and, and, you know, baby was alive and it, it, uh, it, it took a while, but, you know, several months or six, six months later, um, it kind of like all of that, um, emotion in me kind of like, came out one night um, unexpectedly and I had a very uh, tough time coping with the whole life and death thing. 
And um, I, I kind of, I kind of left hunting for like a few years, and then it was when the kids started to get more toddler size. Then I kind of started taking them out and, and felt comfortable. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, the childbirth thing didn't go that well, and kind of, kind of steered me away from hunting for a little bit. But well, it's real out there, man. When you yeah, got life and death in your hands and stuff, and it's just I can't imagine how a kid processes that. I have my own memories of how I did when I was young and, and, uh, you know, I think you could probably do it a pile of different ways and who knows if you're going to do it right. Do it right. But you can probably do it too early, I think. So I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. So too early, like when, when to start taking the kids out? No, just, well, I guess taking them out, like the way I take them out. I mean, there's no animals or there's no... There's no animal going to be harmed the way we go. <laughs> Let's just get that out. I mean, when I, when I take, my, my, my daughters have all heard me rattle for whitetails and things like that. And I know how tricky they are and I, how hard you actually have to hunt to be successful, at least these days. And it, you just can't, it's tough. My kids are young though. So, I mean, as they get older and they can, they can stretch out a little bit more, we might find a bit more success. But for now, it's just bringing them along. But I, I do I do remember taking my wife, my girlfriend back then, taking her for whitetails and like sitting her down on a, uh, on a stump and I sat in front of her and I rattled and a two spike whitetail like launched himself to 30 yards in front of me. And I remember thinking like, oh, okay, is this what I want to, is this, is this what I want to <laughs> do? Like blast this thing and, you know, and take this whitetail and have this as her first experience with hunting like she, she wasn't really there to be exposed to hunting she just she wasn't there as a, a no, pack person. absolutely not she, was... she just wanted to come out and see some wildlife and have fun and spend some time in the bush and i i didn't take it because i was kind of worried that you know all of a sudden you're into you know gutting this animal and dealing with it and dragging it out and the blood and whatever else comes with hunting and i don't know if she was into it so i just didn't <laughs> do it and i can imagine that the kids will be the same thing there'll be a choice or a time when you're kind of like okay is this the time we're gonna do this i mean they don't even want to gut a fish right now or they're just it's just their personality like when i'm cleaning fish for example they're just not interested at all okay so i just you know taking that one by you gotta feel your way yeah, through gonna, that one yeah for sure Didn't know when the time's right yeah they oh. talk about it like they know like when we're eating white deer it's like oh deer bites they know exactly what it is yeah and then they'll see a deer and they'll say are you gonna shoot that (laughs) every deer is (laughs) i can shoot any deer i want apparently but so they they get it i think but and i don't know if they really get it until they see something like that actually happen yeah when i when i think about some of the stuff that i was exposed to when i was really young i mean it didn't seem like a big deal. Then I sort of hit this age around 12 or 13 where you started, I don't know if you develop a bit more empathy or something like that. And it, it became sort of a bit more confusing to me, I guess, a bit more emotions involved in it. So, you know, I'm sort of being aware of that, I guess, knowing how it, it, it affected me when I was that age. So I'm trying to prepare them for it too. Your kids. Yeah. But who knows? Hold, hold were your kids when you started taking them out? Did you do the, like, plunk the baby in the backpack and away you go? <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, Phoenix. I didn't. No? <laughs> it was, it was, a, 
difficult. We didn't kill much the the first few years. (laughs) But the first time I had Phoenix out, she was six weeks old. Wow. Holy. Yeah, and then Easton, um, he was four weeks, I think, the first time I took him out. It was just driving around, though, right? Because he was so little, and I was still recovering. I didn't have very good bursts either. So, yeah. So you were you were being careful. Yeah. But wow, that's that's getting out there young. So <laughs> they they they're, when they're on the podcast, they're not going to say I remember my first memory. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was six weeks old, and <laughs> mom got this elk. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually that's what I mean. That was what I was going to ask you about. Was like as a mother watching your kids go out the door when they're young. What was that like? Well, I grew up with yeah. it, even though I didn't grow up with it. So, so what that means is that I have, I grew up in a hunting family for sure, but it was obviously the father son kind of thing. And so, um, I, it was it, my experience with, with animals coming home was what my dad brought home. And, and I, I remember thinking at the, they drive up and then usually on the top of a station wagon, right. not in the back of a truck at that point. <laughs> but um, that was the sadness of, of the death then. So I never actually saw it. But then as Mark started taking our kids out, it was a different, a different feel. And just because I knew, I knew who Mark was and obviously, and his, his beliefs and his uh, ethics that there was never any any issue of them going out with him. And as I said, he'd, they'd come back half an hour later with half the lunch <laughs> eaten because, you know, <laughs> they were cold, but they got the lunch done. And, and again, it was never that Mark wasn't in it for him. And it wasn't in, he was never in it for getting something. So when he was taking the kids out, he was really teaching them. So I didn't, I didn't ever have a a challenge with that. So it wasn't any concern about bears getting lost? Well, anybody who knows Mark knows that he's got absolutely everything in a pack that he could deal with anything in the woods that would potentially go wrong. Right. (laughs) So, so never, ever a fear, never getting, getting lost. Not, no, never had that fear. And, uh, he started with them just going out in the back. We live at, at the lake and, and as he was going out just behind the house, that's kind of where he started a lot with the kids. And so you knew they weren't too far away from home. And as the ice fishing and that kind of stuff, just walk down the road and literally that's why 10 minutes later they'd be all back and and uh so but really truly I think the biggest part was knowing who Mark was in how he wanted his kids to be raised and uh, that that made it really easy for the kids to go out I, I learned a lot that um that whether you were going hunting or whether you were going fishing that was not the activity that was going to take place. Yeah. Um, I, I quickly, I quickly learned that that um, hunting, especially uh, late in the year, you know, in a bit of snow, um, late season deer hunting was about the fire. I was gonna say yeah. that, was, that was it. Like when so, when we went out, it's like, oh, we to when are we gonna fire? have oh, yeah. the campfire? I remember like, that. It's nine thirty. <laughs> <laughs> So looking forward to it. Yeah. So yeah, I you know you'd do a little bit, look around, and then build a campfire. Ice fishing was about 
looking down the hole. <laughs> it would, yeah. I'd have the old auger. I didn't have a power auger, and you'd be like all sweated up, and you get this couple holes, and you get some rods in, and you get you finally get yourself set up. You turn around, they got everything yanked out of the water, and the kids are laying there down, looking down the hole because they could see things <laughs> swimming by. So it was like ice fishing was come more like a a trip to. Uh, the aquarium. One of the aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> so. See, we have cameras now. Oh, you put the camera yeah. down and watch. So oh. you can fish and they can watch the TV. Well, you know, at the risk of bringing a screen into the outdoor situation, <laughs> I remember thinking like, wow, this will maybe keep them out there for another half an hour. So <laughs> I bought one of those uh, underwater cameras and they can actually look at look at it without, you know, sticking their face in the hole like, yeah, and and yeah, it 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 does keep them interested. So That's it worked. Cool. So Jeff, they, with your yeah. wife going out with you and having that experience rattling the deer, and then now mm-hmm. having your kids go out, what was her reaction to to you wanting to take your girls out? She's she's really really supportive of of getting them exposed to that type of activity. It's been great. Um, you know, but I, I would imagine she she's got a little bit of concern, just knowing what what's out there in the bush. She works in the bush too. She she sees bears all the time. Like, she understands that things can go sideways pretty quick too. So she also reads all the tabloids and news and whatever else that's going on. So it's it's definitely different now compared to you know maybe when I was younger in the '80s and stuff like that. Like just the number of grizzly bears that are out there and stuff like that. It's it wasn't even really talked about. Like when we were young, when I was young, we never talked about, you know, getting attacked by a grizzly or anything like that. So Yeah, it's definitely you know. changed now. Absolutely. It seems that there's a lot more predator yeah. oh. presence out there. So Well, I've, I've read posts on hunters that I know from around here where they've said full stop, like I'm not I won't take my kids elk hunting, you know, because they're they're not going to be up to their armpits and blood and their kids standing around where, you know, when something like a grizzly attack could happen. So they're just not doing it. And, you know, I haven't actually made that decision whether to take them elk hunting or not, but uh, I might make the same one until they're a little bit older. But, you know, and again, when I was that young, we never talked about that. We just went. So it's different. And so my wife, going back to what you're asking, like she, she's concerned with that portion of it, the safety aspect, but she knows I'm pretty responsible. So I don't think, she, yeah, I may, I may, maybe I've never asked her. Maybe I should. But, <laughs> so uh, the safety aspect in the yeah. case you get an animal or just being out there? Yeah, probably associated with just things that can go wrong in the bush. But, right. but, uh, but yeah, she, so she's, she knows, she knows that I'm not, you know, prone to making dumb decisions or, you know, get myself in a bad spot with, I'm conservative person just by nature so with when you add two little kids behind me it gets a lot more extreme put it that way yeah <laughs> but your husband he's full-blown hunter oh yeah. yeah 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 so do you guys do you guys split up like it's just you and the kids go and sometimes just him and i know sometimes. you go out as a whole family and yeah. yeah sometimes i'll go out and he'll take the kids or and this year he wants to do a his and hers hunt off kind of thing so i'll take phoenix in my truck and he'll take easton in his truck and we'll go 
separate ways. Oh, do your own little little trip. Well, yeah. I mean, that could be kind of interesting too, because obviously when you have more than one kid, it's like you do things as a family, but then you need the one-on-one on, one on one time, and that, yeah. that could be important um, for sure. And uh, taking the kids in the outdoors. I used to do that with Carly, yeah, her daughter. It was like she wouldn't go. If Curt- Is Curtis going? Like Carly, do you want to come? Is Curtis going? That'd be the really? first question. I'm oh. like, uh, yep, That's no, it's okay. You guys can go. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then late in the year, it's like, okay, getting towards the end of deer season, then it was just, he can't come, right? Yeah. Curtis isn't coming, right? It's like, no, it's just us. So then, then uh, just the two of us would go, and, and it'd usually only be like one, one day or two days. And and just to clarify, um, yes, my daughter would bring her froggy. Mm-hmm. late season deer hunting this was not an actual like live amphibian like it wasn't going out in like late <laughs> november out in out into the to the snow and cold it was a stuffed a, a stuffed frog so Aww. did you did you find that you had to like really adjust your expectations when the kids came along like was it a big change from how you hunted yeah and and yeah it was w- what were some of those adjustments um, adjustments not as much hiking as we normally do um it turned into a lot more driving or sitting in a blind and uh, sitting in the blind and always work because they get bored and then they're kicking the side of the blind they're rolling around in the blind <laughs> they're bringing toys and they're like easton would have his cars and he'd be like crashing them in the blind and i'm like oh, that could work not gonna see anything but <laughs> they had fun so or we, like our daughter, we would take her in the backpack and we'd put like uh, camo covering over her and stuff like that. And she'd be making deer noises or elk noises. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's not even close. But we're not going to see anything, but at least we're out. Yeah. And and getting the kids out. Yeah. So, so you, yeah, it was a bit of a, a change in what your objective was when, yeah. when you went out. Yeah. Because like my husband and I, we like to do a lot of hiking when we hunt phoenix is now getting into where she wants to walk more but easton is still kind of like well kicks his toes or jumps on sticks and stuff like that so still adjusting we're at that adjustment period with him still but did you ever have to do the thing where it was just like honey can you just look after the kids this weekend because i kind of want to go into (laughs) such and such a place or whatever yeah yeah or we'd go up and we did a lot of more sitting so we'd drive out like elk hunting we'd drive out where we knew there was elk and that would come into a big logging block or something and we'd split up and it'd be like who's taking easton who's taking phoenix because (laughs) phoenix would talk nonstop, but easton wouldn't stop moving so it was like kind of pick your that's funny choice (laughs) and then we'd split up into the separate areas in the logging block and sit down and wait and and doesn't always work the kids i don't think it ever worked once (laughs) it didn't work he didn't get an elk no kyle did have some moose come up and he got easton to sit still and he left his backpack there for him and he didn't leave out of his sight but easton freaked right out and away the moose went (laughs) He only made it like 50 yards from him. He was like freaking right out. So, Oh, just because the big, huge moose coming close and stuff. Just being by himself. Oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Easton, he's uh, autistic. Okay. So that was a big thing for him when he was little. He didn't want to be left anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he was always worried about being left behind. So he was, yeah, that didn't go over well. <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. 
Wow. So you just have to adjust. Yep. Yeah, adjustments. How about you? Did you, was there big adjustments for you? Oh, my, yeah. Where would I start? I mean, I was... Flying up north, going on sheep I trips. I was a sheep and hunting <laughs> fool, essentially. <laughs> and the, yeah, I mean, I think about what kind of age or if they're interested or I don't even know how you'd bring that up with a young kid to, to, to want to do something like that. It's probably in the, you know, distant future, but yeah, no, it would huge adjustment. I, I owned horses for, you know, decade and we packed, packed, did pack trips and all that kind of stuff. And when our second daughter came around, it, it just didn't really line up with, what we were doing at the time. So we, we decided to sell the horses and sort of take a break from that while the kids were really young. And so, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden I'm hunting completely differently, <laughs> kind of mooching around looking for elk in places that I've never even tr- been to. Cause I never even used to research places like that. All of a sudden, you know, just cause we would get on our horse and go and hunt watersheds and I knew where they were and you know, it was different. Right. But yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, yeah, it was different. I, I kind of had a probably a similar type experience when my kids were really young. It was just kind of non-existent for a couple of years anyway. So yeah, huge, huge adjustment. Yeah. And then when, when they do sort of get a bit more active in the next couple of years, well, I think I'll have a grip on it or a, some, a few more patches and a few different plans. I'm always scheming, right? I'm always sort of like, thinking to myself like oh i'm pretty sure i could get the girls in here yeah you do you do because we talk about that he's kind of like he's always like i think i can i could put the blind up here and i think i could do this and get him in here and stuff i'm always thinking about it because i mean to being like you like you sort of said earlier about sort of being devoted to your family i mean it just i i mean i get away a couple times this fall and you know a couple of days at a time if I'm lucky and stuff like that. But, you know, I, you know, and I think in the future, it's just going to, it, they'll be part of it. I'm hoping. So, I mean, I'm kind of preparing myself for those days. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, My biggest adjustment was, um, I couldn't wait for the kids to like, kind of get big enough to go. Right. Like, I'm like, yeah, like come on. It's on like, you walk, oh, like he didn't <laughs> fall down. Okay. He's ready to go. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> And, um, so finally I'm, I was sort of like, I remember this one, one time and I was like, okay, they're big enough. We can park on this certain spot and I can walk the kids down to the Kootenai river to do some whitefish fishing. Uh, cause like it's, it's easy. Yeah. You're going to catch them. Right. And I remember we, we drove out there, got everybody out of the, out of the truck and I got all the rods and everything. And then like, there's the trail through the grass off the side of the road. And it's like, okay, we're going, just, just follow me. And so I started heading down and I got like about, you know, 25, 30 feet down this bit of a trail. And I turned around and the kids are still standing up by the side of the road and they're, they're just trying to get themselves onto the trail. Well, for me, like I'm tall. So I'm just like, I take off and like the grass was this tall, you know, like, like kind of knee height. Well, for these little kids, Curtis and Carly, it was like sending you into like a cornfield. Like, I mean, it's like the grass was over their head and you know, you're trying to like weave your way through the, you know, the, the burrs and the thistles and all that. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, this is, 
is this going to take us about 45 minutes to an hour to get to the river? <laughs> so just trying to slow it all down, you know, the expectations of, of, uh, distance and just terrain, yep. you know, little things that you take for granted. And I've got a pretty vivid memory of when my dad sort of left me behind when I was really young and being, waking up in the morning and my mom telling me he was gone with, you know, he went out for an elk and being like devastated, mm-hmm. right? Because I'd been going with them. I was a oldish. I was probably in that nine or 10 age and they came home and we had a thing where, you know, if he drove in the backyard, he didn't get anything. But if he, if he parked in the front, that means he wanted to hang this thing in the garage. That was the, that was the sign. So whenever he would show up, you'd, you'd be able to tell what happened based on where he parked. And sure as enough that day, he pulls up to the driveway and I remember being devastated because I missed out and they sure they got an elk and you know and I when I asked about it later when I was you know curious as to like you know how come you didn't you know bring me and he was he you know I remember it because you know being like disappointed but you know I can almost relate to him now like thinking back then he just had to make a decision he was like we had to get one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, you're a boat anchor. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So, I'm, you know, I can imagine that uh, him and his partner were kind of, his partner, you know, wasn't, you know, bringing or expecting to have to take this little 10 year old around. So he was probably like, hey, are we going out to get an elk tomorrow or are we bringing, bringing your kids? Kid what are we doing here? So, yeah, but it is what it is. And I got over it pretty quick thought it was pretty cool so i helped out cleaning it and whatnot but well, but yeah a good, it's a it's, it's a, a good start into like it. i totally remember that day like it was yesterday so huh. i mean i wasn't even involved in it but it, it is a memory that stands out well yeah. so i can imagine that the girls might have to deal with something like that too hopefully they i think that meant that i really liked it i think and so if they think the same way then that means they're into it yeah, when you leave them behind because right you just need I'll to get you, some meat. And I'm like, hey, I'm going hunting tomorrow morning. I won't be there to make pancakes or whatever. And they're just like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a deer while I'm sheep hunting. Now, I read uh, I read one of your articles, Nikita. Um, uh, I imagine it's a few years old. We're about, you wrote an article on taking kids yeah. in the outdoors. Um, yeah. It's... Uh, for wide open spaces, I think. Yep. Yeah. And I remember um, a lot of the points you had in there kind of echoed some of the things you were saying, like your kids are, you know, like they had their toys in the, in the blind and stuff, but it was about making them comfortable when they're out there. Yeah. Like the, you were cold because they were wearing all your gear, your, your yep. gear like the extra <laughs> sweaters and, and toques and to bring extra blankets and stuff extra and food. Uh, <laughs> extra food to keep them comfortable. And, and um, I mean, that's, that is certainly, I think a very important thing which is why I only used to take you know um, our kids out just for a short while at the end of the year because it's you know you get out in late season November hunting in like an hour and it's like that's it it's cold and it's you know it's it's game over mm-hmm. keeping them comfortable I believe was a big part of not making this uh, miserable, miserable. Yeah. and then then they're turned off because watching TV is not miserable yeah. but um there's this author I read uh, read one of his books this this winter I think on uh, on the plane. Uh, his name's Jonathan Haidt, 
He's a psychologist. Uh, one of the books he's written is called The Happiness Hypothesis. It's kind of kind of an interesting book. And and he wrote another book called The Coddling of the American Mind. And in that, he kind of talks about the current generations of kids right now and this um, this sort of me, me, me thing, um, the entitlement, um, everything offends them, um, everybody finishes first, you know, at sports day, like all that kind of stuff um, that has transpired to create these types of kids now and he he pinpointed a couple of things and he pinpointed um this switch in um society in north america where i'm just trying to remember whether it was like the 80s early 90s where parents almost like universally in north america anyways got this fear of leaving their kids outside and leaving their kids alone like letting your kids like walk to the mall. Um, I'm with my friend and such and such. And you're like, okay, good, go ahead. You know, kind of like what it was like when we grew up. There was this fear. Like I think there was like some kidnappings and, you know, and some stuff like that. And, and parents literally took their kids inside and it was kind of the end of the era of kids playing outside yeah. on on the streets you know till dark riding their bikes where were you all afternoon and it's like oh we rode our bikes to Creston you know it's just like an hour <laughs> from here right and um I you know I was kind of kind of thinking about that and it's lead leads to what our kids call bubble kids you know like you know it's just a generation of, of of bubble kids um you know because they're coddled too much yeah. and as much as what we want to make things comfortable for kids when we take them in the outdoors hunting fishing or just just any outdoor activity do you think that there's a part of raising the kids in the outdoors that part of the lessons there is the uncomfortableness is being cold um being scared having it get dark do, do you think that's a valuable part oh for sure to expose to your kids yeah for sure do you do do you do any of that have you oh, been yeah. through any of those experiences yeah um easton has this i don't know where he got it from but he's got this fear of wolves so i the one night we t him and i went out and we sat down and we were waiting for elk and it was just constant there's going to be wolves. Wolves are going to come get us. I'm like, no, you're fine. Like, and I made him stay there. And he stayed with me the whole time until dark. He glued himself to me walking back <laughs> out, but he did it. Um, yeah, so I think having that, being uncomfortable or not knowing what's going to happen, that kind of stuff is a good thing for them. It teaches them some values, life lessons. Did, did he... Did, did you talk about that afterwards? Did he reflect back on that and go like, oh, it wasn't so bad? Or was well, that kind of the end of it? It was kind of the end of it for him. He doesn't really talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. Like he'll, in the moment he will, but then after he moves on, he's pretty good that way. That's a kid thing to do. Yeah. yeah. M move, move on. So yeah. Yeah. What, what about your daughter? Is there oh. anything that she's... <laughs> she's an interesting kid <laughs> when she was little she would come and help us hold legs she'd poke the deer in the eyes she like she's got no fear that kid mm. so you're worried about what actually scares her yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> we haven't found that yet yeah. but 
Yeah, she's got a lot of bravery. She's a lot of confidence in herself. Yeah. So. That's what I think a lot of that might be, right, is confidence in the situation. Yeah. That you'll be okay. Yeah. Well, that's part of the uncomfortableness, right? It's the building of confidence and and, uh, particularly when things are getting dark. You Mm -hmm. know, everybody's afraid of the dark and you're especially afraid of the dark when you're walking out of the woods and you can't see anything, right? But then when you get out and you kind of reflect back and you go, yeah, I didn't really Mm -hmm. like that too much, but also nothing got me right so you made it. Yeah. i made it and and i think that's part of the uncomfortableness and same with the cold well if you're cold then build a fire i think that's what our kids were were brilliant at by the time they were 14 years old is going out into the woods and making a fire on their own and mark made sure that everybody had their own their own uh, flints mm-hmm. to start a fire and taught everybody and okay well you go out now and you go build a fire and and so those things that that make you a little bit uncomfortable also are the opportunities to make you feel comfortable and know how to deal with them. Yeah, it kind of makes them grow a bit in the situation. Yeah. I remember you, Curtis, You, you were t- we were talking about this one time, kind of like the bubble kid syndrome and... And, you know, learning to be uncomfortable and cold and stuff. Remember when you did the track um, with your class? Was it the Sun Wapta Trip? Traverse? The the Wapta Traverse, yeah, Yeah, up by Lake Louise. And then you had somebody that was complaining about being cold, and then you were talking about the the late-season goat hunting. Tell tell that story, you know. I, I can't remember what story... Remember, remember, you, we used to we did some late season goat hunting yeah. in November, and it was it was cold, and it was sort of like this one little draw, and it's kind of the only choice you had to hike in, and you just sat there, and either goats came in or they didn't, and you got like you look like the Michelin Man, you know, and you're all all so many layers on and stuff, and I remember when we sat there all day, you know, in, in one spot, and then you were. 12 13 ish kind of when when we did a couple of those Oof. those first trips Tense. and um year old they were and, they were some slogs that's it like and then he talked about being out with his class on this winter overnight traverse there on over well, the, like, the mountain range it was and like a five five day ski mountaineering traverse like it was I mean, it was pretty full on, but and and you had and and you had a whole bunch of friends, or, you know, or people in the trip that started complaining about it being cold and uncomfortable and stuff. And you're like, um, if we're no, we're moving, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, we're moving. <laughs> you wanna you wanna sit in this wind and stop moving and just hunker down for eight hours? You that's cold. Like a little bit of wind in your face as you're ski touring along. It's not bad when you. No, yeah. Sat and froze. Depends on your point of reference, though. Like, yeah, if you don't have those types of experiences, you have no idea, right? I mean, I've trained up young technicians that are that the company used to work at, and you know, you get into the physical stuff. And I remember one young guy asking me, "Are we going to do this all day?" I remember, you know, I can't remember we were doing hauling nets around or these big soaked up like fish nets, and you know, that's what he said. Like, are we going to do this all day? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't even think of it as a, something to be concerned with but for him he had no idea that you could do that you know you could or that you had physically to that. <laughs> or you had to or that yeah. you could like he had no idea right I've had several experiences like that over the years where people that really aren't familiar with the outdoors get a job in the field that they think they want to be part of and 
it's just a shock to them when they start having to do that type of labor and and labor or, or being uncomfortable. It's kind of the same thing. And until you've followed your dad behind him for four kilometers and four feet of snow or three feet of snow or whatever it is up to find a goat, you really don't have a clue what you're capable of doing. Right. Yeah. Well, that was, I kind of, that, that first goat trip that we went on, the the first hunt that we did up there, that's kind of when I noticed a switch in my dad. It was like, he was like, okay, he's here now. Like he can do this sort of stuff. It's like, you know, there's no more like, Oh, I'm cold. It's like, (laughs) let's do this. It's like that the, the bar had been set and it was like, if you can do that, suck it up like yeah. now we're hunting yeah. <laughs> everything after that yeah. was listen like, buddy for 12 years I've like yeah and, you. And, like, it's go time everything after that it was like yeah that's kind of when the hunt started getting like isn't, all day doesn't matter what the yeah. weather's doing you isn't were. that every hunter's dream is when you can go they're old enough and they're big enough they can pack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I was like, I was with my uncles and cousin and my dad and we got an elk up to St. Mary's. My dad got it. And my cousin and I were the ones up on the slide that had to go over to it first. And, um, that's when the real world hit. Cause I was told I had to pack coming out and I had never packed before. The first time I was with my dad, when we got a moose, uh, Northern BC, when we lived up there, I couldn't, I thought there was no way I could pack. He, my dad made five trips and I was out there for encouragement, uh, <laughs> to the five, the five trips. And then all of a sudden this was opened up on me, uh, um, that nope, you're packing this elk. And I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And then I was like, well, well, wasn't too bad. I could do it. But, uh, yeah, I think that's what you're always waiting for is when, when they can pack and, and then you can you can go kind of back into those places a little bit more, and you know that they can uh, they they have the physical capability. So it, it almost kind of is, is like you suckered me into it. It's like you, you know you spent all these <laughs> years to. like oh you know oh it's okay we'll go back oh we'll do this oh we'll do that and then kind of like once you get that first one in there you're like gotcha yeah and then by then it was like you know I loved hunting and it was like you know I wasn't gonna quit doing it after one miserable goat trip. But it, that was it. That was the, like, I suckered you in and now you're, you like it too much to like Back be out. a wimp now. Like, <laughs> so the, I'm curious about Carly, how that changed because she <clears throat> would always ask about Curtis going out and, you know, is Curtis going? Yeah. He's going, okay, no, I don't want to go. Curtis going, no. Okay. I'll go. And then she quit. She quit going for a long time. Yeah. So, so, so why was that? What age was that? She was what? Maybe 12 or 13 and yeah she... so she, we yeah. used to go out on these daddy daughter trips um you know one or two days at the end of deer season just just her and i obviously it was just about our time together as opposed to actual hunting and then she took the hunter training course got her certificate you know like around 14 or something um thought she was going to give it a try so we, you know did a little bit of shooting took her out and stuff and then she just just kind of decided that she couldn't do it. Like she just didn't have what it took to kill an animal. And then she gravitated to fishing and fishing was her thing. And then we introduced her to fly fishing and it was like, that was it. She was, and so we would do fishing trips, you know, Kootenai Lake, uh, some, some different stuff like that. And it wasn't until 
she moved away. She went to university. Um, she was living on her own, um, having to buy food, older, more mature, starting to kind of educate herself on, you know, the whole farm thing, the factory farm well, thing. Well, it was Haida Gwaii. Haida Gwaii changed it when she went up to, to work in Haida Gwaii and they caught her, her partner well, that, and they caught their own fish and then they sent it all back and they had that's their fish right. and she just was, this was all about, this was all about responsible protein, wild protein and, and it was like the, the light clicked on for her where she said, you know what, now I could go hunting and hunting for sustenance. That's yeah. what this is all yeah. about. So and that, yeah, the, the fish, the fish kind of came along first. And I mean, it was literally like hundreds of pounds of fish. Like they, you know, they brought <laughs> home from, from Haida Gwaii. And then it was like, wow, is this ever saving on the food bill? And, and yeah, then it was just kind of the whole ethical part. And, and she got into hunting and, um, got her first deer last year and stuff. So it was like, you know, and at, you know, at 20, and I, I guess it's one of the, cause my kids are growing up now. One of the lessons that I have is like, you know, they may start and then they may leave, but you kind of have to have, you know, the trust that they'll find their path. You know, Curtis, Curtis definitely took to fly fishing. He's a fly fishing guide. You know, that if he has a choice of going, you know, hunting or fly fishing on a day off, he usually chooses fly fishing Un- until until I introduce him to duck, duck hunting. hunting. Now <laughs> it's so... <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, uh, it's, that's a lot different than the goat hunting. You're not sitting there, like, freezing. You can chat like you're chatting now and drink your coffee. It's and, not as intense. It's, and then the every, tug is every, the drug. Every cast and blast. Yeah. That's, that's the thing you got to do. That's go his go thing, for a so. day fishing and duck hunting at the same time. Now, this is, this is something... I, I never thought about this, but I'll see what your guys' perspective is. You, you touched on it a little bit, Jeff. Um, so your kids want want to start hunting. They're going to get into hunting. They're, they're going to shoot something, you know, like they, uh, you know, whether they get their own gun or they use yours, they've taken the hunter training course. Um, when, you know, what age do you think you would let them, like, shoot something? It depends. Depends on the kid. Well, so your daughter is 11? Yep. Has she killed something? Yes, she has. So she turns 10, boom, it's yep. happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's good. Cool. Yeah. I think, what about yeah. before that? Like, did she do oh. the grouse thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She Kay. liked the grouse. Uh, she was begging to sh- let us shoot, her, let her shoot a deer when she was like seven. <laughs> oh, she wanted too bad. But we told her, no, you got to wait. You got to wait. <laughs> And okay. she waited impatiently, but yeah, she was very gung ho on that. Cool. So no apprehensions on your part. You knew she was yeah. ready. Yeah. Yeah. We had her out shooting the 22 when she was little. Um, we got her to 43. We took her out shooting before she turned 10 so she could hunt and that got her shooting, got her comfortable. And yeah, she was ready when she turned 10. Now, do you think she was ready just because she was 10 and she was eligible for the license or do you she think was she was ready, that. ready? Like, like you knew yeah. her as a person. She yeah. understood what this was about. Yeah. Okay. She was definitely ready around that seven, eight year old mark. She wow. had full understanding of everything. Um, my little guy, even at 10, once he turns 10, I still don't think he'd be ready yet. Okay. Yeah. Just not 
comprehending that this is sort of a life and death yeah. kind of thing? Okay. Yeah. And okay. then just the whole process of it too. Right. Well, they'll kind of let you know too, right? Yep. So it oh, yeah. sounds like your daughter was letting you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot earlier. Yeah. But I think for me, when I was thinking back to when I was young, I mean, it didn't bother me until, not that it bothered me, but it didn't, none of that stuff, like the whole life and death issue even popped up till I was like 12 or 13. Okay. Before that, it was not an issue at all. In fact, it was great, but everything was nice and smooth and all that stuff and kind of hit a certain age, like that 12, 13 area and just something changed and suddenly it meant it was different. Yeah. Cause, cause the reason I kind of like, I wanted to get your guys' perspective on this cause there are people out, you know, especially in the age of social media, a lot of this stuff gets, you know, family stories get played out, you know, for the world to see. And you see parents being criticized for letting their kids hunt at a young age, you know, and, you know, and, um, you know, shooting a deer, the, the criticism is, you know, it's, it's bad parenting, it's cruel, it's, you know, and all, all these things, you know, to the kids, but it's, <clears throat> they're, they're saying that the kids are only doing it. They don't comprehend what they're doing. They're, they're not, they don't comprehend they're taking an animal's life. They're simply doing it to please you. Do you? Uh, again, I think it depends on the kid. Yeah. My daughter. No way. No. She no. knew exactly could, what she was doing. You could tell. Yeah. And she knew that because she knew that's what we ate as well. Okay. Like the first time she was eating, every night, what is this? What is this? Mm-hmm. And then the one time we were at, I think, my parents' place and they had beef or pork or something. It was pork. And uh, she's like, well, what are we eating? And I said, pork. She's like, what is pork? I'm like, it's pig. And she's like, like wild pig, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's like a little oink oink pig at the farm. And she's like, no, 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 you don't eat those pigs. You eat wild pigs. I'm like, no, you eat those. And she's like, what about, what about beef? That's cow. We eat wild cows, right? I'm like, there are no wild cows, kiddo. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we see them out in the bush all the time. I'm like. Those aren't wild. <laughs> like the idea that people ate farmed animals because she viewed those as pets, oh. right? Which was just completely mind blown for her. <laughs> so she totally understood what was going on okay. and that that was food. Okay. Mm. So you never, you never had the sense that she was just, just trying to please you and, and, nope. or dad and, and, and get into hunting. Not and, at all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I think you could see that with uh, like Carly and myself too. <clears throat> like I was like when I took the hunter course, like I was like I want a deer. You like, were ready. I, I mm-hmm. that was it. Like I wanted the wanted the whole experience, and then Carly was didn't. She was like, ah, I don't really want to do this. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of like my kids. Yeah, yeah. Phoenix he was, was nine. Very much he was nine when he did the hunter training course. Phoenix was too. Okay. And yeah. he was intense. He was like a med student <laughs> in university. Like, this is serious. Yeah. This is this is the big time. This is my life. Make or break it. Studied. Um, was all tensed up. Did, you know, did the exam or whatever. He was a nine-year-old kid. I think the next youngest kid that was in the class was 18, 19, and these grown men and all this kind of stuff. And he got the second highest mark in oh, the class. <laughs> but, uh, and then... 
uh, on the day of your 10th birthday, I had to drive you to the, um, the, the, the corner store there and you had to buy your hunting license yeah. on your, I'm 10. It's <laughs> proof by the numbers. So, yeah. Well, I remember too, they, they, they tried selling me a junior license and I was like, nope. Showed him oh, my, 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 uh, my hunter number. I was like, nope, give me the full package. Like, <laughs> And he was funny, too, because he wanted more than anything to get checked by a, by yeah. a conservation officer. <laughs> it, it, we'd always go out, I think we're just going to see a conservation officer, and he'd hunt all day and not see one, and he was, just, he was disappointed. Oh, yeah. So one morning, we were getting ready to go and out out hunting stopped at the gas station we're a little bit late getting out or whatever and it was it was daylight already and i ran in to pay for the gas or whatever and of course conservation officer was there uh, a buddy of mine paul from from town here so we chatted a little bit and i said paul i said go stop my kid there's a there's a young hunter out there that is just dying to get checked right to show him his hunting license so <laughs> i stayed inside and he goes out and paul taps on the window and are you hunting? Yep. And you have a firearm? Yep. And checked his license <laughs> and initialed it. And it was just the, it was the greatest thing. But that's, yeah. that's more responsibility than a lot of kids get at that age. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's yeah. a pretty cool tool yeah. to it, offer. There, I would, I would have to kind of thank that kids that learn to handle a firearm and hunt yeah. and do those types of things, take on a level of responsibility that probably puts them farther ahead in a lot of life things. Good. Yeah. It should. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. Think about that at that age, like what honor, what other responsibility could you be given? That's yeah. a, that's a pretty serious, that's a pretty yeah. serious one. And, and to be able to handle that responsibly and, and, you know, and I think that's where people that don't hunt that are criticizing parents for taking kids out hunting, like so young. Um, I, I don't think they understand that, you know, they don't understand that. I mean, your kid's not like, it's not like you're turning them loose at the park and sitting there and talking, you know, with the other mom and your kid's off like, how's deer hunting going, son? You know, like, it's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very different level of supervision and, and a very different level of, of being prepared. And I don't think, um, people understand, um, you know, how much growth your kid is getting just, just by even learning to hold, hold the firearm. And yeah. Well, even this winter when Carly and I went out turkey hunting, just the lessons that Mark was was teaching us about gun safety and Carly being 21, right? And things that, that even for me, because I'm not, a, I don't hunt very, I've hunted a few times, but not very often. And the lessons that you, you just have that absolute respect for the firearm and you know so one of the things is as you're as you're following make sure as soon as you get to this point you need to know where to stop your your shotgun because as soon as you move past that now you've got you know you've got other people potentially in range Mm -hmm. and so you just have to be really cognizant so for when you for children 10 years old that have that that recognition of how important handling firearms is and the the life and death that comes with that then i think it really is a, a valuable confidence lesson for them and, yeah. and bear spray and bear spray knowing how to make a fire and well if done right i mean i think that's what pro- probably a lot of people think about handing a 10 year old a firearm would be any responsible thing to do but it's actually quite the opposite you know you're teaching them how to be responsible with something as powerful as that so 
that can only be that can only help them in life really i was at a conference last year i believe and there was a a fellow from the penticton indian band that was there giving a presentation on on some work that um the band was involved in and he he got into sort of talking about um hunting and connection to the land and wildlife and stuff and he he talked about how he was raised uh as, as a hunter and they would watch the little kids kind of look for the ones that had the characteristics were like okay these these ones are probably going to be like our hunters and you know we're going to want to like move them sort of up a level in training and they were given a uh he was given a stick and he was told that this was his firearm and that's the barrel end and that's the stock end and then they'd turn them loose and they would have to look after their stick and then they were being watched and you know all of a sudden like where's your stick you know oh i forgot and it's like okay so they'd make a note or whatever that or you were pointing your stick at one of your friends or you know all all these types of things you know and then that basically like if you could demonstrate that you're taking that seriously, then it kind of went to like a 22. And then you were taught how to shoot a 22. Then if you were doing that responsibly, then you got to go with um, um, adults to go on a hunt, which it was kind of a funny story. He's like, yes, finally I get to, and it's like, nope, you're going to pack your firearm in the field, but you're not you're allowed. Still. And he, he still had to, um, you know, demonstrate that in the field he could, you know, handle and carry his firearm properly before he ever had, had the chance. So um, I, I just thought, like, that was, wow, like, what a level of, of cool. you know, yeah. bringing kids in into uh, responsible use of, of firearms. It's pretty good with no deadly repercussions. Yeah. So they can't accidentally shoot you in the butt. <laughs> the stick. Carrying a stick. Stick. Yeah, I just, I just thought, what a great. If they're great... poking you in the butt with it, you know they're not yeah. ready for a gun. That's exactly. Right. What a great. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, whether whether you did, I mean, I think we all grew up with little little toy guns, right? But I don't think, and I know my parents were never like making you treat the toy gun like it was a real no. gun, right? It was yeah. just like. You know, one of my kids, one of my friends clobbered me over the head with his BB gun and split my head open. Like, I was like, oh, that's not the responsible firearm use. But I know as a parent, whenever I see little kids shooting at each other, it just, it just bugs me. I can't get over it. It's really? something I'm just like, you know, you don't shoot at people. Yeah. And my little nephew, when he was younger, doing, you know, airsoft and all that stuff, they're like, yeah, you do. You shoot at each other. <laughs> All the time. Curtis <laughs> yes, did. There was, yeah, that was yeah. like... I totally did. <laughs> there was definitely a big separation. Like, it, toy guns, like, even now, it's like, you know, paintball or airsoft. Yeah. It's like, don't really have a problem. With, as long as you're, like, yeah. into it. If I'm if I'm at a buddy's house and they pull an airsoft gun out and they, like, point it at me, it's like, get that's that out of different. my face. Like, that's different. But if you're running around as a kid with toy guns, I'm like, I think that's fine. But as soon as it came to, like real firearms even pellet guns like pellet guns were like mm-hmm. until my buddies and i used to run around and shoot each other with tinfoil out of the pellet guns because we're like <laughs> oh the real pellets are like will hurt you real bad so we'll just make little balls of tinfoil and jam them in the end of the pellet gun and shoot each other that's a good idea was not, <laughs> <laughs> not. well in my my <laughs> era we, we could only even dreamt about airsoft and there's our stuff like that paintball i mean that when I was a little kid, it, if they had something like that, 
you know, I'd been right into it. You know, yeah, so we, ne- we never had those when I was a no. kid. Yeah, yeah, it was pretend stuff. So rocks. You could only have dreamt about it. <laughs> rocks. <laughs> pine cones. You stuff. said, um, Jeff, you said something kind of at the beginning, um, you know, sort of about this philosophy of trying to expose your kids. You used the word expose your kids to these things, right? Um, to hunting, to fishing, like maybe hiking, backpacking, but, you know, still leaving the choice up to them if that's something that they want to incorporate into their life. Do, do you think there's there's a, a, a line where your interest in getting your kids into hunting and fishing and that lifestyle, that it, that it, you could cross the line of like exposing and introducing them to where it becomes indoctrinating your kids. Like this is just, you know, you are a member of this family and your grandfather and your great uncles. And it's just like, this is the expectation. And it's just kind of like you're, you're not given a choice and, you know, like, I mean, and you're just, it's expected, you know, that, that you, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like either of you are raising your kids that way, but do you think, Some do you know do. people that do, do you see that? Um, like, I haven't seen that no? actually. No, most of them give their kids a choice. Okay. Um, some of them are like, no, you have to come because you can't stay home by yourself kind of thing. But um, they never really force them to take the hunter's ed if they don't want okay. to or anything like that. Okay. Um, Must be a generation thing. Maybe. Like a younger generation <laughs> thing. Do you think, were you, yeah. were you did well, you see that? No, my, my family was very, you know, mixed up, I guess, as far as that goes. Like there were, there were a handful of, of folks that are, that are hunters, but you know, the majority of my extended family is not okay at all. In fact, the opposite in some cases. So I was exposed to the entire spectrum growing up. So there was no expectation. I mean, my older sister and younger brother don't hunt. So, I mean, you know, they, they still have an interest in the outdoors, but they definitely didn't pick up any, any interest in, in hunting along the way. Okay. So, I, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. And I do know, you know, I know all kinds of folks that are, you know, Drag, you know, dragging their kids through it, no matter what, if they think it's cool or not. But, you know, and it'd be interesting to see down the road how that turns out or how that works out. But yeah, like whether the first chance they get yeah. to 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 run, <laughs> they, them, yeah, uh, they mean, drop it and and, some and of them leave. Most serious hunters I know, their kids don't hunt. Yeah, and they just it just is what it is, yeah. no matter what they did. And it'd be interesting to to chat with them about why or maybe they didn't maybe well, there's a danger of like if you leave the choices up to them there's a danger that they just don't ever pick it up yeah like I, that going back to that turkey hunt you were talking about with my girls i mean when i came home from work and said hey you, you guys want to come out tonight i know there's a there's a there's a turkey making some noises earlier you know we could go and try and chase them around they were not they weren't interested at all <laughs> and so it would have been really easy to just be like no you don't have a choice. Get in the truck. And that's kind of the way it was. A little bit softer way of putting it, but that only tried, works once you sucker them in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I tried to like, you know, not you know, sugarcoat it or whatever, but just say what you know. Try to explain. It. None of that was working. 
So I was just like, all right, get in the, get in the car. We're going. <laughs> and, uh, they did. And like halfway out of Cranbrook, they were starting to get excited about it. And then Have all fun. of a sudden, you know, they were, they couldn't wait to get there. And then the doors flew open and they were like, we were doing it. And on the way back, I said, like, did you guys have fun? Oh my God. You know, cause they got into this, this Turkey calling thing with this couple of Jake's. They turned out to be Jake's or whatever, but so they were really excited to call back and forth. They weren't very cagey. So it was cool. <laughs> they were on private land, so we couldn't do anything about it. But, um, anyways, they just on the way back quizzing them about, you know, whether they'd want to go do it again or whatever. Absolutely. You know, like they were right into it. But when I think back to how that night started, I mean, it was, they weren't at mm. all. So there, if you sort of back off on that and then just say, okay, I'm going about myself and then race out the door and you do that enough after a while, maybe you didn't give your kids enough of a chance, right? So a little so there's bit like of a balance of like oh, yeah. forcing them or <laughs> for well, not yeah, it's the encouragement. And I think what you did the, in that sense with starting at five o'clock in the evening as opposed yeah. to five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> morning right? Yeah. That, that doesn't work so much. And then the experience that they had was that was mm-hmm. was what really will draw them again yeah. they'll never forget that part of it and so even if you go out and you're just out there rattling things around or playing in a um, a blind or whatever those are the things I think that um, that they'll come back to I think so yeah I mean certainly not the success portion of it so far so yeah, it's what <laughs> yeah. what you define in this success and I think you know, it's the it's the fun activity. Yeah. So hunting was defined by a campfire. Ice fishing yeah. was defined by, you know, a, a look looking down the hole to see, you know, what what was going on there. So it was, if, if you take those those away from them, then yeah, you, those might be the kids that gravitate away from it as as they get older and start to make their more more of their life choices. Well, you mentioned earlier, like, um, you know. The, the age, the bubble kids and all that stuff. But I think the instant gratification portion is what scares me the most, right? Like okay. the, when, when my kids do get on a screen and they have the ability to like swipe through things and, and advance, they don't like something, boom, they just next, next. You know, like uh, the way, you know, TV um, options pop up on a screen and they can choose whatever show they want to watch instantly. You know, we didn't, it wasn't like that for us. So I have no idea. That's what scares me the most is like, how am I going to compete with that as a, that ability to get what you want instantly? Because I'll tell you right now, if, if that's what you want to do, you're not going to be a sheep hunter <laughs> no. or you're not going to be a goat hunter. You might get whitetail instantly, but you know, things like hunting is just not like, it's just not designed for that. If you're not interested in the nuance portion of hunting, I don't think it's, it's just not going to be for you. And so you have to be interested in everything else, the campfires, you know, the, the terrain, the scenery, everything, because man, those, the, the way those kids get what they want right now, i it just scares me. I'm just, I watch them and I'm like, how am I going to compete with that? How, how am I, you know, so when, when we, I take them out fly fishing, you know, I do like, everything is like bulletproof. When we hit the water, there's like lines going in and you know, there's no like me baiting things up and doing all this stuff or, you know, like I've nailed down cronmid fishing the last few years and everything's ready to go. And like the, the, the flies are what they want. It's not, I'm not just like prospecting out there with gear and hoping for the best. Like I worked hard at like getting it to a point where it's pretty much going to be instant for them when we get out there yeah. because 
I mean, <laughs> if you, if you don't, <laughs> you better have a huge bag of gummy worms or do something like that to keep them sitting in that boat. But I, I think that also goes back to, to our generation too, because if you weren't catching something after five or six casts, something's going, on. You, something's going on and okay, okay, dad, I want to go home or, you know, and so he'd be trying something else to, to get you to stay. And, and so, yeah, I think that with the, the instant gratification probably magnifies that, but, but even way back when there was an attention span that was quite limited. And if I'm not catching really? anything, I'm still like that. If you, if you ask Mark, <laughs> yeah. if, if things aren't happening for me and, and we have to sit somewhere for a little bit, I get really antsy. It's like, no, I got to get up and move. And I grew up without a TV. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so. it, it probably does come down to the individual for sure. Yeah. Like I have two different, really different kids when it comes to their, that kind of attention span type of thing. And, you know, and I've, I've taken each of them out individually and exposed them to fly fishing and stuff like that. And they've gone through it differently. Each hmm. one, Some of them are like, they could sit there all day or one of them. The other one is like a couple minutes in, you just, you look, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a short trip. Yeah. <laughs> and then you break out like this bag of chips or something like that. And, and then the yeah. next thing and the next thing, and suddenly you're there for three hours and it's a great day. Do you worry about that? The instant gratification? What, competing with what the world can deliver to your kids? Um, not really. Um, we limit a lot of like TV or okay. screen time or anything like that. Um, and we have ever since they were little. Like We don't have satellite or cable or anything like that. Um, and we've made them like going fishing kind of thing. We'll get out the rods, they'll all stand, they'll both stand at the back of the truck, they get to pick out what lure they want and stuff like, so we make them involved and make the decision on what they want to fish with or That's a good idea. that kind of thing and it kind of gets them excited and Easton's good for about 20 minutes and then he's usually in the lake, so, <laughs> <laughs> but Phoenix will sit there and cast all night until she can't see anymore, hmm. but... Yeah, I like that getting them involved in that part of it. If if anything that I should probably do differently, it would be that. I mean, my daughters sit on my lap and we tie flies, and that's kind of what I, you know, when then we hit the river and it's like, okay, we're using the fly, you tied, and then it's you know that kind of thing. But that's not something I've ever done is when we're getting set up. Yeah, and I, I that's probably you know they all have their their individual rods that they chose out and all that stuff. But yeah, that's actually good good point to make is like getting them involved in in everything i mean the way i was shown how to fish and hunt when i was young was you, you better be paying attention because you know for as much you know for as much time as i spent out there and i spent a ton of time i lived in a really small town my dad was a hunter a fisherman a trapper i spent a ton of time in the bush when i was little but it, there wasn't a ton of teaching going on it was more watch you better be watching what i'm doing osmosis yeah that's Exactly. That's the way I learned. And so, and so maybe I overdo it, you know, trying to explain to them what we're doing and why we're doing it because I didn't get a tremendous amount of that growing up that, it, you know, maybe I'm robbing them of the ability to figure it out for themselves because that's, that's cool. That's part of it too, right? <laughs> that yeah. is, I've yeah. been learning how to do things over the last handful of years that are different, trying to challenge myself and it's, I'm getting a lot out of that. So maybe I should be doing that. I know that was that. a ch- 
that was always a challenge for for me like when when Curtis and I were hunting cuz we we sort of did you know the most together was trying to not be the one that was making the decisions to get you involved in the you know like where would you like to go you know it like was, it was a good balance though like that I definitely like you were definitely like what do you want to do but there was also times where it was like in this situation, this is what you do. Yeah. Like you, so it was, it was definitely like, you know, I got to make the decisions, but also it was like, you better be watching cause this is how it's done. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause, cause I always hated being, or I still do. I hate being the follower. Like if you're just following someone else head down, it's like, you can yeah. get to somewhere and go, okay, now if, it was my responsibility to get back. I'm, I wasn't actually paying attention. Yeah. I you know, I don't, I don't know where we were. So I kind of like to be in control that way. So I didn't like always being the lead person and kind of wanted Curtis to like make some choices where you go, how are you going to approach it? You know, kind of thing. And that was always a challenge. And once he became a professional fly fishing guide, that's his job to make all those decisions and manage the clients and everything when just, him and I go fly fishing. I'm like, I'm just like, I'm following your client. Now. It's just like, it's like, we're going here and we're going to do this and we're going to be there at this time. Try this hole, go over there. Okay. No, we need to go upstream. And I'm just like, okay. Hey, I'm liking this. Cause I'm, I'm not making any decisions. Like, where's my fish? I want a 20 inch cutthroat. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> now, yeah, kind of along the, the lines of TV and, I mean, you don't, our kids grew up without TV. Um, I think that's that's huge. As your kids get a little bit older, um, what are your guys' thoughts on, like, the current state of what you see with hunting shows, social media, like, just kind of how everything we do, this lifestyle is being portrayed and it's not always the greatest how are you approaching that with your kids? Um, do you limit them? Do you talk to them about it? Do you I, I've talked ban to Phoenix them? about it. I okay. have. Um, I let her start an Instagram account, but it was under the stipulations that I have to approve who's following her and that her account is private. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of people, like bad people, come after my kids on social media. So I am pretty weary about that kind of stuff. Um, she's not allowed to have Facebook or anything right now, not until she's quite a bit older and understands. But, like, I've had talks with her. I'm like, you don't want to, because she's like, oh, I want lots of followers. I'm like, no, you don't. You want to make sure you have people that you know because you're a kid. And if you, there's lots of bad people out there that will pretend to be somebody that they're not. And that she's still trying to process. Like she, okay. it's hard for her to understand that there would be bad people like that. Um, but yeah, it's very limited. Okay. So what about like does she um, post and talk, sort of talk about her outdoor stuff with you, or if she gets something, yeah. is she allowed to post yeah. her pictures and stuff? So yeah. so that's different. You she has a controlled follower, so yeah. she's n she's not going to be wide open you know, no. to the world going, what, this 10 year old kid got a deer and like yeah, the whole exactly. viral thing happens. Cause there's been some pretty bad stuff. Like I remember a few years ago, there was, so it was three or four years ago, there was a young boy in Alberta 
I think it was a video of him getting a black bear. Oh, okay. And he was like 14 or something like that. And it was like the world unloaded on this kid and his dad, right? Like it was really bad. So, <clears throat> I mean, we're, we're past that. We don't have to worry about our kids growing up in that world, but it's, I'm, I'm very interested in, <laughs> in, in that. So that's a great approach. I've, I've never thought about that, about having that sort of, yeah. um, um, approval on who, who's your followers. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you're, you're not, are you there no, yet? No, no, no. Your, <laughs> your kids on Instagram? <laughs> scares, scares me, man. No, just, no, 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 they're not. But I think hunting for me has always been like a, almost like a private type of issue. I've never, I don't post a ton of photos of anything. If you're trying to, you know, like if you understand it the way I look at it, I'm totally in it for myself. And I just, it, there's nothing wrong with folks that want to operate a different way, but I, I can't picture myself you know, raising kids that, that, uh, would be part of that type of spectrum. But I mean, if you were to do it the way you're talking about it would have to be the way you, you could never just unleash them. No. I mean, you'd be in big trouble in no time, but, but for me, I mean, yeah, hmm. it's, uh, it's just something I'm not sure why it's just the way I've always been just a bit private. Maybe I don't like folks I don't even want to get into a discussion about what I shot and why I shot it and things like that. I just, I just don't, uh, you yeah. know, for friends like me or you, like got that deer last year and I was happy to share it with friends of mine that I'm close to, but not, uh, at all interested in the world knowing about it. What about the actual hunting shows on TV? If your kids watch those, seen those? Oh, Phoenix loves the hunting shows <laughs> Yeah. on TV. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the hunting shows on TV. I like the ones that portray more of like a storyline. Yeah. Like um, The Roar. I don't know if you watch that. No, on, we don't have uh, TV. <laughs> it's not on, it's on um, the like, internet. It's a media oh, okay. show. Yeah, yeah it's oh, like okay. a YouTube yeah. show, okay. The Roar. Yeah. It's done so good okay. and it's like the whole story from the beginning before the hunt through up th getting up there it was a, a moose hunt okay a flying moose hunt and then they kayaked out with it and it's just a nice storyline um i'm not a fan of the typical hunting shows where it's like 10 deer shot in one episode kind of thing where that's all it's focused on so i don't watch much for hunting shows and do you the kids, we don't have TV, so they don't watch much. You don't of have it. to worry about controlling that, then. Yeah. Okay, they're out. They're out doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it. Yeah. They're off doing their their thing, experiencing yeah. it. We never had TV, but we would get like the DVD sets, and yeah. I think the two <laughs> favorite ones in our family growing up was uh, Survivor Man. Les Stroud. Really? Yeah. Oh my like gosh. The, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Um, River Monsters. Oh, yeah. Phoenix loves the River yeah, Monsters. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of, and then the BBC, you know, Planet Earth ones about all the wildlife and stuff. So that was kind of, kind of where our kids landed with it. But, uh, we, but yeah, we, our daughter, like Les Stroud and Survivor Man, she watched every episode multiple times. Yeah. So just loved the outdoors enough to, to be out out in that regard and yeah. watching how to all the all the tips and yeah 
what is it? You sweat, you die. <laughs> you sweat, you die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Just about, you about in the wintertime, yeah, you know, yeah. keep, yeah. keep keeping dry and totally. stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, those are, those are things that soaked into a kid, right? And they're, they're uh, <laughs> lo- good life lessons, especially if you're going to be in the outdoors. It, the shows were all about sort of something happens. So what happens when you're in the woods? What do you do now? So he would had a, had a variety of scenarios where, you know, if it's a plane crashed or if he gets lost, separated from his buddies or whatever. And, and uh, he only had, I think his crew only gave him one or two things. One time, I think it was a pen or something like that. So what do you do now? You've got five things that you typically would have on your body. How do you survive? Well, oh my gosh, they just loved to. And he was out there for seven days. So he had to survive for seven days. So yeah, I Mark just loved you never threw the kids out in the backyard and said, "Figure it out, survive for seven days." Well, we no, we, we no, went not on seven the, days, no, but no rite of passage. <laughs> we went on the Survivor Man craze, like we watched it, and then you know I've always had an interest in filmmaking and photography, so I always used to grab the video camera and be like, "See you later." I'm gonna go out there and I because the thing that I liked about Survivor Man is watching how he filmed it because he filmed everything by himself so there's a, a you know a shot of him walking down a mountain ridge it's like he put the camera there he walked down got the shot walked all the way back grabbed his gear and then walked it again so for me i was like that was really cool so that's my draw to the show so i would always run around and be like oh i'm gonna go on these survival outings but try to film it in the way that he does cool yeah well it sounds like you guys are not not having to worry too much about about your kids being exposed to that. I wonder how some families are are coping with it. What about school? Uh, how? <laughs> <laughs> not like is my kid getting a good education, but is is are you are you having problems, issues with oh, teachers? No. Like your daughter's like I'm a hunter and I got this and oh no, like, <laughs> I've been lucky with her. She. The, her last few teachers have been amazing. Okay. Um, and she tells everybody about her <laughs> little adventures and what she, she shot. And oh yeah, and I hear from the teachers all the time. It's like, oh, so Phoenix shot a bobcat, eh? I'm like, yes, she did. <laughs> but they're all really good with it. She's got a few kids in her class that are hunters too, so it's not like she's the only girl, but she's not the only hunter in her class. Okay. Yeah, it's not like we're you're in a big, big city or something yeah. like that where your kid's going to get suspended by, from school. No. Yeah, I no. can no. imagine in Cranbrook, BC, yeah. it's not much of an issue. But yeah, pretty laid somewhere back. Somewhere else. Yeah. You wouldn't have the same experience maybe in Vancouver or something like that. Yeah. But. Yeah, like her teacher in kindergarten, she was a hunter. Yeah. And you would have never expected it. And then the teacher she had for grade three and four, she was a hunter too, so... It worked out great. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. My daughter brought a grouse tail feather to show and tell. <laughs> Phoenix and brought a grouse wing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, from one that I shot or something like that. And that was her show and tell. And nobody, not one kid in that class had knew what it was. Really? Yeah. Not one. They never was Cranbrook, right? Yeah, this Cranbrook, is Cranbrook, BC. So. so. Yeah, I was kind of surprised because I stuck around for it because I wanted to see what the reactions were and stuff like that. And nope, not one. Not even wow. the teacher. The teacher had no idea. 
Oh, so, that's bizarre. Yeah. That's bizarre. Kind of spooky. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember wow. I brought a deer heart and a block bag for show and tell one day. Well, that story wins. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that does win. <laughs> Jeffrey BC, that's, that's probably mandatory. That was his lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was just this bloody Ziploc bag with a deer heart in there. And I just, awesome. I just, more the reaction. I was just like, oh, check this out. And everyone's like, oh. <laughs> and then you were... You worked in your Bopas taxidermy shop after yeah. school, like oh, when you were yeah. 10, 11, 12 and stuff and learning biology and and his little cousin came out there one time and you had to, what was it, you had to skin out a buffalo head or whatever and so he came to see what you were doing and started throwing up in the back <laughs> oh, of the, no. the really? shop, right, as soon as he saw it. But here Curtis was at 10, 12 years old there in there at the taxidermy shop skinning things out and learning how the eyeball was put together and yeah all that stuff like when we went through that in biology like you start out with dissecting the sheep right. eye and then you do the frog, frog and yeah. then you do the pig right. i was just like oh man like not a problem i do this all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a there was an article out uh cbc news article uh just a couple weeks ago about this um I think it was a it was a school organized event. Maybe you saw this, where a teacher took a group of kids from school on a bison hunt in the Yukon. I did, see and they that. all went in on like in the fat bikes. It looked yep. like they had a long ways to go in, and these kids got this this bison, and it was like it was a really cool story. But it was like a school thing, and there was a couple years ago I saw a similar one about this teacher over in the UK that was running a program in the school, taking kids out, teaching them to shoot. Um, and then they were like upland game bird and rabbit hunting and stuff like that. Oh, and, wow. and it was a really, it was a little bit of a documentary went with it too, rather than just a, a news story. But I, I thought, you know, here we are in Canada, right? You know, we're so many small communities and towns and, you know, the, still hunting and fishing as a way to feed families is there. But it's, I, I wonder what, how schools would react even here in this country to have something like that, yeah. you know, in the, in the school. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be interesting. I think so, yeah. depending on the area and the school and the teachers and that, some might like where my kids are, they'd probably be like, yeah, no problem. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it comes down to Some, individuals. Yeah. yeah, I think, well, here in British Columbia anyways, I think the farther you went north in British Columbia, probably the more easy it would be to integrate that into a school. And the farther you got oh, sure. south yeah. and west, it would probably <laughs> be be uh, less favorable to get through the school board on and a past as curricula. What, what, would, what do you guys think families that don't hunt that have kids that might have an interest what what would you what would you tell those parents like if a kid talks about it asks buys a hunting magazine but the parents themselves don't know how to go about how it how to go about it what um i would i've offered to take out kids um Nobody's really taking me up on that though with them, but I have had offered. I have offered that. Um, I would also say to get them involved in like a rod and gun club or something. Get them involved with uh, the kids or the parents. 
Um, or both? Both. Okay. Really, I take my kids to the backcountry hunters uh, meetings all the time. Um, but yeah, just finding programs or something maybe that they'd be a little more comfortable taking their kids to. They may not feel overly comfortable letting somebody else take their kids out. So it could be a learning experience for both of them. I wonder how how much of that exists out there. Like how, I don't know. You know, is, is there an opportunity to create something, you know, to help parents answer questions and teach them and especially if they have kids that are that are interested yeah in in that i i am working towards doing a kids program um for cranbrook it's just right now fine with moving and everything it's finding the time to get it going but so like a kids hunting some, program um outdoors program. Oh, outdoor program yeah. okay you were doing a little bit of that a few years ago weren't you uh i think it was last year is it last year i think i started it last year i've got a page and stuff built up for yeah. that and it really took like the interest in it really took off and it took off big time in the states okay so i kind of had to pull back a bit and be like how do i really want to go about this because international is pretty big and it was just me <laughs> so um it's finding people that are willing to volunteer time and do all that stuff too so because you were kind of taking out like a little group a group of kids i remember seeing some of the posts weren't you like a bit of a daycare type thing or was it just um, your kids it was just my kids was it okay yeah. i, I, I went along on some of the school trips like um some of the field trips they'll go out to like Wycliffe park and i would take a group of kids out we'd split up me and the teachers and I'd take a group of kids out and we'd go explore and they'd learn about like the trees or whatever, the wildlife. And so we did some of that with them, but yeah. There's definitely like a, definitely a need to get kids involved in some, you know, activities to allow them to be exposed and ask some questions and see some of this more more than just sort of like the clubs you know oh we have the annual kids you know thing or whatever and a bunch of prizes but it's like sort of like what i what i wanted was something that's like like the east kootenai wildlife association or bc wildlife federation but that was meant directly for kids so they got like the magazine with a membership. They got to go on trips, like got to go to the archery range, the gun range, learn all this stuff, go learn how to do fire survival. That's kind of what I would like, but that's a big project for one person too. Yeah. So Yeah, definitely in a in a community like Cranbrook, I think that would probably in a lot of communities in BC and across Canada would Yeah. would be would be interesting and especially for parents that maybe didn't grow up with that or don't don't know but would be supportive of their kids getting into something like that it's also the support of of parents who do hunt in the schools i i look back at at you going on all of these trips with with our kids and what you would teach the kids in the class as you were going out to the point where there'd be parents coming and asking and i remember uh curtis's friend ben his dad not really being a part of that, but of the hunting scene, but wanting to go out and asking if you would take take him out. And so, so even if you're not part of a group, as as a parent who's a hunter, a hunter, then being a part of the school, and uh, goodness, every time you went out 
you could name every single plant that was out there and trees and, and get the kids all excited that way, right? And then oh, yeah, I always used to get in trouble for that. Oh, here, eat this berry. Oh, here, try this. Oh, <laughs> Curtis, you got to stop giving the kids berries. <laughs> or, I'm like, hey, well, it's a huckleberry. They're like, it could be poisonous. I'm like, but it's not poisonous. <laughs> I know what it is. It's a huckleberry. And then probably rattle off the Latin name. And then Curtis is the one that gets in trouble when they're on the school overnight camping trip because he's got a big hunting knife in his back. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I remember the one trip he had to hand it over. Oh, really? Yeah, I, don't remember I think that. so. He got it confiscated. I, it's like I, what? I'm going in the outdoors. You gotta have a yeah. knife. That's right. You gotta have matches. You gotta have yeah. all these things. <clears throat> I I remember the one that the we did a an out trip in school and I got in trouble because I had a uh, like a chocolate bar because you know my dad would always make us a little survival kit so you just carried in the pack and there was you know a protein bar or whatever and one of the instructors found out that I had this chocolate bar because we weren't allowed food. It all had to go up in the the bear hang and oh, so right. i got i got reamed out for having this chocolate bar in my tent and i was thinking i was like well little do they know that the backpack that i'm using is probably saturated with okay yeah sorry about the chocolate bar <laughs> oh geez. but even now you know when when uh we meet up with with our kids teachers and and they always ask how they're doing and what they're doing and that sort of thing and they just said yeah we just knew that they were both destined for <laughs> for outdoor careers cuz that's just the way that they were in school and that's the family that they grew up in and now here's an here's another kind of interesting area is we always talk you know like cuz hunters about conservation issues um, serious things that are going on, some population declines, you know, those, those types of things, habitat issues. How are you approaching it? I mean, your girls are still pretty young, but have you thought about how you integrate that into raising kids with an outdoor lifestyle? Like, how do you... <laughs> so how, how do you tell them there's no Santa Claus? Like, it, yeah. um, you know, like, but without without it making it seem like like the world's going to fall apart or something like that how do you introduce conservation issues how how are you approaching that well my kids get a little bit of it just through school um and not really wildlife conservation but just conservation as a whole i'm actually been pretty impressed with you know how much um you know you know talking from anything from talking about recycling and the use of plastics and things like that part of what they're they're learning at school and then they bring it home and then they re they they talk about it quite often with us and then they you can hear them in the back seat sometimes driving talking about it so you know um i haven't done much of that communication personally yet they're still pretty young but we do talk a little bit about you know like harvesting animals and which ones you do and why and how you can't shoot every single one you see like my four-year-old is asked where she was three at the time asking me about if i'm gonna shoot that deer or that deer or that deer, <laughs> you know driving around in, in cranbrook but you know so i have done a little bit of it but just not a ton of it but i think you know what you're saying about this the kids program and that it's pretty powerful they they learn quick when they're young and you know if they're getting little bits of that stuff in school and then you've got a program that's sort of building that up when they're really young and able to process stuff at a young age. So that's how you do it. 
Yeah. That's great. And by taking your kids to the um, BHA meetings and stuff, there must be a little bit yeah. of exposure there. Because, I mean, yeah. that's what you guys are probably talking about, some some of those types of things, yeah. right? So Yeah. And, like, Phoenix is very, very interested in all that kind of stuff. And she has been since she was pretty young. And so, like, if she has any questions, I answer it 100% truthfully, factually. Um, so she's had an idea on how conservation works for quite a while already. Okay. And yeah, I just try to be straight up with her and tell her like, what's the issues? Like with the grizzly bear hunt, she's like, why? We have so many bears. Why did they shut it down? I'm like, socially, it's not really acceptable. And that's what they based it on instead of science. And she's like, oh, well, that's dumb. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. But that's how politics work. And she's like, oh, okay. Oh, that's politics, but, mom. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. But, Don't worry. When you're 60, you'll hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's always been very inquisitive about that kind of stuff. I mean, that's awesome that you're that you're taking her to those meetings because yeah. that's another aspect of, I think, raising kids you know, into the outdoor lifestyle, you know, uh, especially hunting and fishing is, is actually looking at our kids as an investment in the future in conservation, right? Um, all adults always seem to be the ones that are, you know, in the clubs, writing the letters, being, you know, parts of, you know, trying to drive um, conservation and policy changes, but we never pay attention to mentoring or bringing kids or building leadership um, from a very young yeah. age and man I've always thought of the idea of like having a, an organization a club or whatever that's regional provincial you know national that's just nothing about kids yeah. getting kids talking about these issues teaching kids how to speak how to research on conservation how to inspire other kids so that as your kids grow up you can then step back and say you're taking over this conservation yeah. movement, right? As opposed to what's happening right now where young adults don't want to get involved in this kind of stuff because the 60 and 70 year old, you know, grumpies won't get out of it. Yeah. It won't let go. And it won't let go. And so they don't want to get involved. But I've always thought that maybe we need to stop kind of being in the here and now and take a step back and make these investments in, in kids and, and start teaching them a little bit more about conservation, hunting and fishing and, and as leaders, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, that might be an opportunity a little bit in your, in your program. I think I'd be really interested, yeah, you know, in, in that as well. Just, you know, simple things, just getting a kid to talk to a group of people for five minutes about something, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, that could pay, pay off huge dividends 20 years down the road and their ability to influence people. So yeah. those types of things. It was also like a, like a, the issue of like peer or peer orientation. If you guys are familiar with that term, it's just something that, you know, my wife and I've done quite a bit of reading about. It's like when you're, when a kid is growing up, if they're, you know, if they have older folks, their parents and grandparents involved in their lives or just even adults involved in their lives significantly from a participation standpoint, not just in the same room, but like actively involved in what they're doing as they're growing up, they become oriented, you know, based on what they see from what these responsible adults are doing. And if they don't have that, if there's no connection to any kind of, or no participation from adults growing up, 
then they become oriented based on the people that they surround themselves with, usually their younger friends, right? So if what I'm getting from, you know, you bringing your kids to the BHA meetings, I mean, one of the best things that could come out of that is just simply them being exposed to other responsible adults talking about conservation and, you know, they're looking at these adults who are passionate about, you know, protecting uh, resources and, and protecting experiences and, and, and sort of in it for, for, for the better good of the whole community, not necessarily for themselves, but that's one thing, maybe it's intangible. You can't even see it, feel it, nothing, but that's probably a really good portion part of what comes out of it is just them being exposed to adults. And then they might grow up thinking like, I want to be like those 30 people or whatever it is. Like, like there's, there's probably what's changed in my lifetime apparently is the, that amount of peer orientation that's happening is like kids are becoming more like their, their friends than, than not necessarily like their, their parents. Yeah. And their parents before them was, it's apparently getting less and less with each generation. Interesting. Or, yeah. or I guess peer oriented, more peer oriented as each generation goes forward. And starting less, from less like, family. Yeah. yeah, less family. So you want, apparently, you want them to be more like, you know, the, the responsible adults that are part of their lives and not necessarily like, you know, unfortunately, you know, when they go to school, there's 20 kids in their class and not every one of them is who you want them to be modeled at modeling their lives after. But if you, if you're not in there actively sort of being part of their lives, they will eventually, they will, you know, glom onto something else. So yeah, just from that perspective, like them looking at these adults talking about these things that are really important. It's probably how you keep them involved. And yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's some good points. Yeah. Peer orientation. Yeah. So I always thought it was a natural progression where you hit a certain age going, I do not want to be like my parents. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I want to be like my peer group, but, but, uh, yeah, it's a bit more nuanced and I'm explaining it, but yeah, it's, it's oh. interesting and I can see it happening so it's kind of cool to, to see it out there well shoot me a link or something yeah. where you think something's good we'll throw that in the in the show notes um peer oriented it's just something yeah. we chat about you know when when our kids are really young they're they you know they they don't have anything else to really take on you no know, other behaviors or anything like that and then they go to school and they start acting like different people and you're like what yeah did you get <laughs> i never heard you say that before like, that's the pure <laughs> peer orientation right so like yeah i guess in our cases like in all likelihood we're all involved in our kids lives so it's maybe not much of an, an issue but you know in some cases if there's none of that then it can it just goes sideways huh or well, it can yeah, yeah definitely so it's just something to be mindful of and that's just a really cool thing that you're doing that it's great yeah, thank you <laughs> i think one of the great things about families that raise their kids in the outdoors and it doesn't necessarily even have to be hunting and fishing is I think they're close families and I think kids are raised around a good set of family values when they're raised in outdoor families Um, there's a sense of family there's a sense of commitment to family and family doing things and a purpose you know of going out and doing things and 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 I definitely that's how I grew up. I think it's how we all grew up and 
it's it's a great a great lifestyle to introduce kids and I think that's what we're all hoping to is to expose them to it but they find some little part that's really their thing that that can be a a part of their life as as they grow up because we know we know as adults it's a it's a special part of our lives um so just in close Nikita what what are some key messages you would deliver to other parents raising kids what do you think's just there to do one thing one thing just get them out okay get them out doesn't matter if it's just for a stroll in the bush play a scavenger hunt like give them binos and tell them to go find a feather or whatever it just gets their curiosity out there about nature and that's kind of where i started with mine and it it kind of just turns into stepping stones i found anyway okay just just get kids out and get them involved in nature and yep. they don't have to go down the path of being hunters and fishermen but they'll probably be connected to to nature and conservation exactly oh that's a good one jeff yeah that not to <laughs> you know go on the off on that but basically that's that's what that's what we're trying to do is just create a connection right and you get that from just exposure and getting out there so that's that's exactly what we've been trying to do and even on like, you know, rainy days and things like that, you just stick them out there and, and, and put them in the environment because, I mean, that's probably what scares me the most of the way that things seem to be shifting away from be, everyone being extremely comfortable and everywhere you go, there's, you know, like in no end to um, the advancements in technology and, and making things more and more comfortable. But it kind of removes, in my opinion, it, it removes that connection to the actual earth or the ground that we're walking on and and if you if you get out there and just be part of nature that's what you know if if one thing that I get out of hunting or I want to impart on my kids is that we are actually part of we're part of the ecosystem and when you take part in it and you're actually part of the process and you're taking animals out you know it, it comes with a responsibility and it comes with a feeling of it's a connection that you're part of it. I think if you grow up or if you if you don't have that connection, the, the the downside is that you feel like nothing that you do makes any difference. Right. And but that's not true, right? We all know everything we do has a has an impact and you know, there are repercussions. Getting kids to care about nature is what the future is. The only is way about. you can do it is by just getting them out there. Yeah. And well, those are good ones. I Step think. one, get your kids in the outdoors. Step yeah. two, sucker them in. Sucker them in. <laughs> so, Curtis, what's, uh, what's your advice to parents out there? Do not do this raising your kids. Do not do this. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm opening myself up here. Oh. I don't know. There, when it came to all that stuff, there was like, not really anything that was bad it was like you know we got enough freedom to burn around and do our own stuff but there was still like enough kind of you know guidance to keep it in the right way but maybe introduce them to duck hunting earlier in life (laughs) yeah so i didn't get into duck hunting just just like a few years ago and then curtis started coming out with me and i was just like it's he loves it now right so really (laughs) action-packed so he's an action demanding kid so i should have introduced him to duck hunting much earlier but i wasn't raised with it so i learned a little bit late in life so i I, for me i think that 
the one of the most important things is to as Nikita's doing and as we did is to absolutely limit the things that encourage them to not be outside and so um, our neighbors growing up said to us we have never seen kids play outside like your kids play outside our neighbors are from Calgary right We've never seen kids play outside like your kids play outside. So if you've got a, if, if any child has an excuse to stay inside and and not learn what it is to be out there, they'll do that. It's the easy way. So limit the the internet, the television, the programs, everything that um, the influences on on the media that you don't want your children to have. That's that's huge. And what's their what's their option? Well, go outside and play. Yeah. <laughs> go go make campfires in the woods behind the house. Absolutely. Yeah. Our kids did that <laughs> in the wintertime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to burn yes. down the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> used to do stuff like that and yeah. That was that was the good old days. Get get your get your kids back into that lifestyle. Um, Nikita, you still at your blog? Yep. Where can people find you? Uh, it is called Rocky Mountain Outdoor Adventures. So it's uh, Rocky Mountain Outdoor Adventures dot com. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes, and you can follow Nikita and her family along, and regular updates of what they're doing when they're getting their kids in the outdoors. Maybe you'll get some ideas. Um, Jeff, he's not on social media. He's, he said he's a private guy. Private We've tried man. to get him on, get him part of the <laughs> conversations. Um, one of these days, I'll at least get you on Instagram. Okay. And then you can get some <laughs> pictures of what you're doing with your kids and your family and stuff. And Don't fall for that. He's trying to sucker you. Yeah, sucker no, that, you in. Pretty soon we're going to do this cool. goat hunt at the end yeah. of November. Yeah. <laughs> I know not to go goat hunting with you. Though. That's, <laughs> well, that's one thing I learned today. I think goat hunting with him too. So. <laughs> you and I have a different definitions of what goat hunting is all about. No, so. they, yeah, that's cool. No, social media, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I find it fascinating. But I'm so. not super active into. Well, that. you are because you follow what everybody else is doing, and then yeah. he's always texting me, going, "Oh, you should Imagine. see what these guys are saying over here." And I'm like, "Dude, you got to stop no, doing that." I, so get I, an Instagram account, put up pictures when you go out, yeah. and just say, "Hey, I'm out doing some fishing. It's great. What a beautiful I, evening. I'm out with the girls." Or I'm always just fascinated with how the you know how other people interpret different every different situation. Yeah, it's cool. He's doing he's doing his research on Facebook. Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks thanks for doing the show tonight. That oh. was awesome. I have a lot of respect for you guys and what you're doing with your kids. Very family orientated. Um, it's great to see. It's uh, it's inspirational in this day and age um, to see families being families. This is a great part of the world to be doing that here in the Rocky Mountains of British Columbia. And for listeners, uh, if you got any tips or experiences, questions about raising kids, maybe something we didn't cover you thought would be a good thing to share, uh, write us uh, at uh, hcmedia at thehunterconservation.com. We'll put that email in the... Hunterconservationist. Uh, Hunterconservationist.com. hcmedia at thehunterconservationist.com. There you go. We'll put it in the show notes. So, so write us in uh, if you got uh, questions or tips. We'll figure out a way to pass those on or do a 
Q&A session on a podcast, maybe get you engaged, uh, maybe write an article about what other people's tips are in raising kids in the outdoors. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. And hey, take your kids and get outdoors.